This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. It's good to be with you this morning. I'm excited for the Bible study this morning. We've been dealing with chapter 20 of the the book of Genesis, which is about Abimelech. He's a king. He's a king that was on the western coast of Israel on the Mediterranean Sea. And uh, Abraham just made an assumption about him that he was like everybody else. And in that assumption, Abraham, first of all, missed out on a great opportunity to build even a greater alliance with him. But also, he, he, it caused him to act unjustly toward Abimelech, and his actions were based in fear. His, he was fearful that Abimelech would be not very good to him, that Abimelech would treat him like he had dealt with other kings. And we clearly see that, that Abram has a disdain for uh, some kings. He had a disdain for the king of Sodom and the king of Gomorrah. And it's one of those it's one of those situations where he struggled with him. He just straight up struggled with with dealing with them. He didn't want to have to go to war with the king. He didn't want to have to he didn't want to have to deal with him in a way that would cause him trouble. And so he was fearful of the circumstances and fearful and not understanding what was going to happen in the future. And so he just he continued the ruse that he had. He had worked many times before, had been working since he came into the land of Canaan and that area, even as he went down to Egypt the first time he was in the land, he said, Sarah's my wife, Sarah's my sister. And and so he would not be killed and Sarah taken as wife. He continues this ruse on. The problem is that Sarah's of an old age and there's really not a need for the ruse. And in this situation, the only way, reason Bimelech wanted her as his wife is to make an alliance with Abraham. And uh, and when he took her as his wife, God told Abimelech, which is a, a clear sign. <clears throat> I think this is very important that you understand when you're dealing with someone and they're hearing from God, they are hearing from God. And it's quite clearly the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's Jesus. It's the God of the Old Testament, New Testament. When they're clearly hearing from Jesus, from the Holy Spirit, about things, when God is convicting them about things, when God is leading them into certain things, even if they're not churchgoers, even if they haven't been to church, even if they haven't grown up in church, you need to understand that God's been at work in their life. Those are clear Mm -hmm. evidence of God at work in their life. And I say that for a reason, because oftentimes uh, we have our own, we have our own little cutout of what it is to be a Christian and what uh, look a Christian looks like. And the truth is, that's just not necessarily true. That's just not necessarily uh, a biblical understanding of things. I hearken back to John when he was in the book of the Revelation, when he saw the church in heaven, he said, I saw men from every tribe and nation, tongue and language. And uh, it's not, you can't see what people speak 
you can't see how what languages they use. What he was saying was, and he was using a very colorful terminology, what he's saying was, I saw people of every stripe. I saw people of every color. I saw people of every size. I saw people of every hairstyle. I saw people of every eye color. I saw them big and little, tall and short. He says, I saw them from every corner of the earth. They came from every area of the planet. And he, what he was saying was they were dressed differently. They looked differently. They were different. And uh, by the way, that's part of God's creation is his, his immense and enormous universe that he's created. He's made people and he's made places that are so unique and so different. And there's a reason for that because that reveals the enormity of his, who he is, how wonderful he actually is. And so when, when John saw people from every tribe and tongue and language, when he saw people of all different types and stripes, when he saw them, he understood that, that they were the believers who were in heaven. And it's important to understand that, that we are not going to most of, we're not going to always see everything eye to eye scripturally. Now, uh, now there, there are some things that are just clear that you have to believe in that the Holy Spirit, I believe, definitely leads us into understanding of those are the fundamentals of the faith. And we, I call them the hills to die. They're the important things that, that really lay the parameters for what we believe and who we are. Those things are non-negotiable, but uh, there's a lot of things in scripture that are so deep and have such a, uh, a, a different, make such a difference in, in each and every individual's life that uh, uh, the true understanding of them is not gained in the moment. It's not gained in a, in a short period of time. It's not gained by going through a video series or, or studying a book. It's not gained by being taught by one individual. It's gained through seeing God at work in the world, seeing God through his word and understanding how God's working in an individual's life. And that a lot of times takes a, a lot, uh, in a lot of ways, uh, takes a long time. And maybe some ways you, your life is spent searching those out because it's really about searching out God and who he is. And it takes a lifetime to really figure those things out. And I'm not saying that they can't be figured out or can't be revealed to you. I'm just saying that is a walk of life to understand God at work in his creation. And uh, it might be so enormous that you're not going to be able to figure it out today or tomorrow or the next day. And, and if you have a cookie cutter view of a person of faith, you're liable to miss out on a lot of people of faith that are here and there and everywhere. A lot of times we de design churches, we design churches to target certain communities, certain individuals, and, and end up missing out as a church because we don't have, we don't have the diversity of people, the diversity of backgrounds, of cultures, the diversity of faults with God and struggles. And so we miss out on a lot of the things that we could see and hear that we could know about God because we're just in a cookie cutter situation where everybody we go to church with is exactly like us. And we end up missing out on seeing God at work in a culture that we don't know or in situations that we would not normally or naturally be involved in, we miss out on seeing God that way, and we miss out on knowing God that way. And that's the important part. We miss out on seeing God that way, understanding who he is, and then knowing him. And, and so it's important that when we go into a situation, we don't do that like Abraham did. Notice what Abraham says in verse 11. He says, because I thought surely the fear of God is not in this place. Notice, 
he made an assumption, and we all know what assumptions do. They do it for both me and you, and they are, they are bad to assume. Just because you run into somebody who's at the bottom of life's events, and they're in the midst of a struggle, doesn't mean they're not a believer. It might mean that they're in the midst of a wilderness experience. It might be in the, that they're at the they're at the bottom of the sea in the belly of the whale. It might be that they're in the they're in the den of lions and they're at the point of testing. It might be they're on the precipice of the furnace and about to be thrown in. We're going to run into people all the time that are in different and unique situations that we don't know about. We, we, it might be that they're uh, entering the third heaven, as the apostle Paul said, he knew a man. Who had, who had gone to the third heaven. It might be they're in a place that we've never been and never, and do not understand. And just to make the assumption that they're not a God-fearing person is to assume wrongly. And, uh, and it's a belief that God only works in certain ways in the certain situations that I know about, and he doesn't do anything beyond that. And I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of denominations and there's a lot of churches that function that way, that we want, to, we want a group of folks like us, and we don't want anything else. And that really homogenizes down what God can do in that congregation, what God can do in that group of people. It homogenizes it down to just a very uh, unique set of circumstances, a very individual set of ideas and, uh, and ways God moves. And they never see the huge movements of God. They never see God do wondrous and amazing things. Their services are just the same. Their 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 times together are just the same. And they never <clears throat> really see any growth. And the problem is they really don't see but just one aspect of God. They just see that one thing that makes them who they want to be. They're just right there by themselves and they don't see anything else. And they miss. And I say that not condemning. I say that loving. They miss out. I have learned so much about God dealing with people that come from backgrounds that are so different from mine and how they see God. What I find so wonderful about that is this. There are some fundamentals about who God is that every one of them have all the time. They have a love for the Holy Spirit. They want to worship. They have a they have a under, they have a deep abiding yearning to know God's word. When I run into somebody who's as different as night and day is for me culturally or maybe experience, experientially as far as their life is concerned, when I run into somebody like that and they're a believer, there are some amazing parts of their lives and things they understand and see that I've never, ever done. But there's also some things that are just right on the money exactly like I am. And they all, every time they run, I run into somebody like that. And that's how I know, that's how I know that they're a person of faith is because they have the love of, they have the love of the things that the Bible says they're to have a love of. They have a love of people. They love, have a love of their neighbor. They have a love of believers. They desire and hunger for God's word. They want to see the Holy Spirit moving. They have a desire and hunger to use their giftings and their callings to be a part of what God's doing. They want to see the hand of God at work in the world. They want to see the mighty hand of God at work in other people's lives. They have a, one of the things somebody told me, even my wife Kathleen said after the service Sunday morning, and I'm going to tell you, my wife has been, she's really been made new by this church in this situation in the sense of she loves to see people who actually love God and love God's word and love to serve God and love to see God's power at work. And she hadn't always gotten a chance to see that very much in her walk. She hadn't very got a chance to see that as her pastor husband has moved through the ministry. And she said Sunday morning to somebody and they told me, I'm just bragging on her. She says, I love to see people, other people excited 
for for other people experiencing God. She's used to people being selfish and wanting everything for themselves and wanting the church and everybody to meet their needs and not really care about or not even really be really have any concern for anybody else. And she loves to see people who want to see other people experience God. And uh, let me say that that is one of those fundamentals. That's one of those fundamentals of a believer, somebody who's walking with God by faith and walking with God in power is they want to see other people experience, experience a dynamic relationship with God. They want to see other people have the good things of God. They want to see other people overcome. They want to see other people get spit out of the belly of the whale or survive the fiery furnace or have the lion's mouth shut. They want, that's what what they that's what they want to see they want to see all things are possible for those who believe that's what they want to see for other people and they want to eat from God's table they want to eat from God's truth and God's word they hunger and desire for that and they desire for the Holy Spirit and it doesn't matter what culture you go to and it doesn't matter what spiritual setting you're in if you're dealing with a real believer a believer who's walking with God they want those things and I found that to be true everywhere and they want it in unique different ways but that's what they want and they don't want to compromise the truth of God's word, and they don't want to minimize the holiness of God, but they also want to see God at work in the world they live in, and they are hungry for it. And boy, that's irreplaceable. That's something that you just can't replace in the world we live in. That's something you can't you can't bottle up and sell. It's a finite resource to see that going on around us. And when you run into somebody like that, you need to latch on to them and you need to love them. And you don't need to have an expectation that you're not ever going to meet people like that. You need to have an expectation that you are. Abraham didn't have that expectation. He said, I didn't think anybody would fear God in this place and they will kill me on account of my life. He said, I was just acting in fear. I was afraid. I was afraid y'all wouldn't be, y'all wouldn't be godly people. I was afraid that I was never going to run into anybody godly. I had a negative view of the situation. How many of y'all got negative views of situations that turned out to be God's perfect situation? I'm going to tell you, even in the wonderful church, I'm glad God has done that. Even in the world church we live in, that God has given us, we we have situations where people walk in, folks go, who's that? And where they come from? What's going on with them folks? And then, and then, and then they get to know them. And all of a sudden they realize, man, this is somebody who's going to be wonderful for the kingdom of God. And I want to be a part and seeing what they're doing, seeing what God's doing in their life. And they get excited about it. I'm going to tell you, you have to have a little bit of guard. You have to put on your guard. Paul told the leaders at the church of Ephesus, but before he left to go to Rome, he said, he said that when I leave, there'll be ravenous wolves come in to destroy you. And you do have to keep your guard up about it. But the truth is, you need to have an expectation that God is moving around you, an expectation that he's pulling together his people for his purposes. And if somebody shows up, you have an expectation that God's going to move in their life and God's going to do something special in life, no matter what or how terrible the situation might be for them. You need to have an expectation that God's going to do big things. And when you have those expectations, what you're doing is you're believing God for who he is. And I can't say that anymore. You're just believing God for who he is. He's bigger than you can imagine. He does more, more than you can imagine. And he's at work all the time. He says, but indeed, she is truly my sister. Now notice he comes clean. She is, she's daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. So she is his half sister. And I know that makes you a little bit queasy, but we can get into some of that later. Anyway, it is a situation where she really was his sister. But more importantly, she was his wife. And understanding those relationships is uh, probably something that he should have let the old king Abimelech know. It said, and it came to pass when God caused me to wander from my father's house 
that I said to her, this is your kindness that you should do for me in every place, wherever we go, say of me, he is my brother. Notice she's just been, they've been doing this for 50, 60, 70 years, and that's just what they did. Isn't that how a lot of times the church operates? Don't we do that so much? And we say, that's just the way we've always done it. We do it this way here, and we ain't doing it no other way. That, now, I'm making fun of my folks, the, the rednecks that I come from, but that's how we see things. Am I right? That's the way, the, that's the way we do church a lot of times. We ain't letting no newfangled stuff happen. And that's how you end up with just a few people meeting, doing the same thing every Sunday morning, not seeing God move really in any new way ever. And then eventually their children die from the lack of the move of the Holy Spirit and the church dies because of it. And that is the just the doggone truth. That's just the way it is. If you're sitting there going, we ain't never done it this way before, God says to David, sing a new song. Every once in a while, you need to do, you need to have a new movement of God. He says his mercies are new every morning. If his mercies are new every morning, there got to be some new stuff happening. If his if he's asking for you to sing a new song, what he's wanting, we don't sing songs about what we don't know. We sing songs about experiences that we do have. And the only reason we would sing a new song is because God's moved in a new and dynamic and powerful way in our life. And that's what we want. Just saying, just saying, that's what we want. We want God moving in a new way every morning. We want his mercies to be new every morning. We want him to do new things for us every day. And if that's what we want, we better expect that there are going to be new movements of God, new happenings going on, expectations of God changing and delivering and fixing and making new every Sunday morning. And if you don't come to church expecting to see God do something new and something wonderful and something powerful, and if it's not in your life, for surely you can show up. I've known some old folks in my day, some old folks who knew what it was to look and be hoping and searching for God to do some things. I've been around some, you don't have, just because you old don't mean you have to do it the same way all the time. I've been around a lot of folks a lot of old folks. And when I say old, I'm now 50. I used to think my was old, but I'm talking about folks in their 60s and 70s and 80s who showed up at church every morning. They showed up every Sunday morning wanting to see God do a new work in somebody's life. They knew they walked with God for a long time. They knew there wasn't going to be a whole lot of big stuff going on in their life. But boy, on Sunday morning, they were fired up and showed up to see Something happened. I can remember the old Pedans up in Florence. Uh, I remember old Mr. Dickey down at Heritage. I can remember I can remember a numerous and wonderful people who lived a fairly homogenized uh, life. They did the same thing all the time. But on Sunday morning, they showed up to see God move. And God did. And boy, when God moved, they was crying. They were happy. They were excited. They were they were fired up because God had done something new and they got to be there to see it. They got there to be there to see it. The old Methuselah, he was waiting there at the temple till God's deliverer would come and he would be able to meet with him. Just because you're old don't mean you have to do things the same way all the time. You don't. You And just because you're old, you don't have to expect God to be doing just the same old stuff he's always been doing in your life. You can look for God to do something new. And uh, I don't, I, I've been stepping on toes this morning. I'm liable to lose several watchers if I don't watch it. But the truth is, but the truth is, just because you've always done it that way doesn't mean that's the way God always wants it to be done. Did you hear me? 
just because you've always done it that way doesn't mean that's the way God always wants it to be done. God's mercies are new every morning, and we ought to see the new day, and we ought to see new deliverance for people, new power for people, new purpose for people, the presence of God on people in a new and a dynamic way, and we ought to have an expectation of it every week. And if we don't, we risk the potential that we will fall into a malaise and not search for God in our lives. Expectation of seeing God do new and different things every day on your behalf is where it's at. I'm going to tell you it's where it's at. And an expectation for things to always be the same is not where God's at. I want you to hear me. God doesn't just leave people where they are. He delivers. He changes. He makes all things new. That's who he is. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.